Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, the Bavarian Podcast Works show, where we cover all the latest and greatest news from the week. And wow, what a week it was on Sabiner Strasse, and not for all good reasons, obviously. Uh, if you got a chance to listen to the preview show, you'll know that I broke down everything going on with the team to date heading into the Rook Runda opener against Gladbach. So many players are out with COVID, a couple that are excused who compete for their national teams, and then a couple of injuries mixed in. It makes for a bad start to the Rook Runda. Julian Nagelsmann is probably pulling his hair out, trying to think about how he's going to line up his squad to face Gladbach, and it is going to be a crazy, insane game. But, you know, some of the stuff that I didn't get into on the preview show uh, I want to touch on now before we start to really hit into the news. Uh, it, it's it's really crazy to me that Bayern Munich is in the spot that they are. And I think a lot of people are probably quick to criticize and really wondering why Bayern Munich was so lax with their restrictions during the winter break and, and why they let the players travel like they did. And I think Nagelsmann made an excellent point about this and one that I wholeheartedly agree with. The players need some downtime. They need a break. They need to see their families. So I, on the surface, I have no problem with Bayern letting the players go and do what they did. Uh, unfortunately, in the world we live in today, this was always a possibility. And sure, I'm 100% positive some of the players probably did not take all the restrictions seriously. They did probably not. They probably didn't, you know, protect themselves as much as they could, but in the end, it doesn't matter at this point. This is 2022. We're still in the midst of a pandemic. Everybody is still trying to live their lives while fighting this pandemic daily. I'm not shocked this happened. But at the same time, you know, people have to live their lives. And I get why Bayern Munich did that. These are players that you're going to ask a lot out of as they play the second half of the season. This is a team extremely capable of winning the league. This is a team capable of winning the Champions League. So you want to keep them happy. You want to keep them physically and mentally fresh. And I don't have a problem with what they did, honestly. Um, The results are what they are. I mean, (laughs) the strategy didn't work. But I support it anyway. I think you really had to let these players live their lives. And for Nagelsmann now, he's got to look at his lineup. He's got to look at the veterans that he can return. He's got some rock-solid players and Muller and Lewandowski and Kimmich. He's got a good base to start with. And he's got some exciting young players that are going to be in the mix. And I'm not even going to say that some of these young kids are going to play. They may not, but they're going to get that experience in the first team environment, you know, at a at a time in their career where under normal circumstances, they absolutely would not have. So to me, like Nagelsmann can really only take, you know, one kind of mantra for this weekend and it's we'll do it live bleep it and that's what i would do i would absolutely take the uh, bill o'reilly freaking out <laughs> gif and i would apply that to this game if i was Nagelsmann. i'd walk into the locker room i'd look at the food spread i'd throw it all on the floor i'd flip the table over and i'd tell them i'd tell the entire team we'll do it live and then i would roll out arian ibrahimovic and i'd have him score a hat trick against gladback But that's just me. All right. Uh, But I am seriously, though, I am very psyched for this game. 
One, because I want to see Robert Lewandowski. I want to see Thomas Muller. I want to see Joshua Kimmich. I want to see Nicholas Sula. I want to see them embrace this. I want to see them put this game on their shoulders. Gladback has been the bogey team. Everyone is expecting Gladback to win this game, even though Gladback is a dumpster fire right now. But not me. I think Bayern Munich is going to win. I'm excited to see how the veterans do. I'm excited to see if the young kids get mixed in. I really want to see some of these kids play. And I hope they get the opportunity. I hope Byron can get up 2-0 or 3-0 and Nagelsmann gets a chance to be creative and work some of these kids in. Because I think for the first time in a long time, we're starting to look at the academy and we're starting to see some kids that might have an opportunity to earn a spot on this roster and if you really look at certain positions and you can focus in on one right now and being the midfield, uh, there are some possibilities there that the club is going to lose Quarantan Taliso. Uh, Mark Roca's future is kind of up in the air. We don't know if he'll stay or he'll go. Uh, his prospects for starting at Bayern Munich are not great. And as I always say, when you're a younger player, uh, you should be in a position where you're playing a lot. And and, and Roca, it's clearly not going to happen for him at Bayern Munich. Um, Marcel Sabitzer, for as talented as he is, I don't know if he'll long-term stay with the club because I've said this a million times, but he's an alpha and he can't be the alpha on this team. So uh, whatever happens with players like that, it could open things up for a player like Taylor Booth, who has has been someone who Julian Nagelsmann has been impressed with. Uh, you know, you've got some other options there that are more attacking-minded uh, in terms of the midfield position. Uh, Ibrahimovic being one, Paul Vonner is another one. Uh, you know, you have other players who have been moved around a little bit, like Christopher Scott. You've got good options all around. You've got Nemanja Motika. You've got Gabriel Vidovic. There are a lot of players across what you would say the attacking midfield or wing positions uh, that Bayern could deploy in different circumstances. So I'm very interested just to see a couple of them. I hope Vidovic is able to you know, really shake off his sickness and that he can uh, find a way to get into the game day roster. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, but uh, I do want to see these kids play. I want to see the veterans shoulder the weight of this. And uh, I'm excited for it. I know a lot of people are not, but I'm really, really excited for it. And it's not just because I get to say, we'll do it live, F it. Uh, I really do want to see this match. So uh, all that said, we can start to look at some of the news of the week. And, you know, I want to start with something that, that really just broke within the last couple of hours. And I'm recording this on a Thursday night, uh, East Coast time in the U.S., and one of the stories that just broke was Kingsley Coman reportedly has had a change of heart and he wants to uh, remain with Bayern Munich and sign an extension. Now, why I'm bringing this up is because over the past few months, uh, I've really followed this situation closely because Coman has been a player that I've really been intrigued by throughout the past few years. Um, you know, as Frank Ribery and Arjen Robin were starting to age a little bit, and you started to see that their careers were going to wind down, at least at Bayern Munich, um, you know, I really started to look closely at Coman because he was really the player that I think the club wanted to anoint as the next one. And at the beginning of this, when the transition started to happen and Robin and Ribery started to age a bit, and you could see that 
their bodies could not really keep up injury-wise with what they used to do. Uh, Coman was at a stage where he was extremely talented, extremely quick, extremely skilled. He always brought something to the table, but he always seemed to make some kind of error or a mistake or just leave a black mark on the game at times. Um, he obviously just such a skilled and talented guy, but he would make a bad decision or he would shoot instead of cross or cross instead of shoot. There was just something missing from his game. But then I think we started to see him evolve a little bit. And I think it was around the 2019-2020 season. Obviously, there was the Niko Kovac firing, uh, which kind of threw everyone for a loop and put the team in a bit of disarray, it would seem, until Hadzi Flick took the reins and got everybody on board and everybody headed in the right direction. And I think one of the players that Flick impacted the most was Coman. Uh, from the time that Flick took over, I think Coman had looked like a different player. I don't want to say he looked more relaxed. I don't want to say he looked more confident. But he just looked more sure about what he was doing on the pitch. And of course, we saw that all culminate in the Champions League finale when he scored the only goal. And for Coman, that was a huge moment. Um, because this was, a, again, a kid who just had all of this talent. He had always won. But there was something missing in holding him back. And it really did look like he had, at that point, made the right move, made the next step for his career, and really progressed to that star level. And I would say since that point, he has been pretty damn good. Um, he's been one of the team's most consistent wingers. Uh, all of the bad decisions that we would see him make earlier in his career, somehow, some way, they've been completely limited. Typically, when Coman is on the pitch, he just looks like a problem these days. So to have a player like that, you obviously want to retain that player. And I haven't always been his biggest fan. I did not think he was going to be the kind of player that could evolve to get rid of those parts of his game. I thought he was going to be one of those players who was just continually plagued by bad decisions and mistakes and, and at inopportune times. But he proved me wrong, and I think he's proved a lot of people wrong, that he has become this weapon out on the wing that, that Bayern Munich can count on. But throughout his, this entire process with him, throughout his development as a player, through his evolution as a player and his maturation, I've always gotten the impression that he loves being at Bayern Munich. And throughout this particular process with him uh, going through negotiations for his contract and how contentious it got, I never once wavered on the fact that I thought Coman wanted to be with Bayern Munich. That always just really rang true with me that Coman, one, has always said great things about Bayern Munich. Two, he's never outwardly complained about anything involving his situation. And there, I'm sure there are players that would have, especially early on in his tenure, when he was not getting as much playing time as he probably would have in other places. Um, but for this, through these contract negotiations, I just never got the impression he wanted to leave. The people that did want him to leave happened to be his family members who were representing him. And I think that's where the gist of all of this started. Um, all of the stories about Coman wanting uh, to be paid like Robert Lewandowski. I mean, of course, who doesn't? I mean, 
if you're going into a salary negotiations, you're obviously not going to lowball yourself. So yeah, I understand that. Will he get paid like Robert Lewandowski? Probably not. But it's okay to go in and ask for it, which I think Coman, if, if that was his strategy, fine. Uh, but what his representation did at that point was take that theme and then say that Coman wants to move on. And I think that all of the stories revolving around Coman wanting to leave, whether it was going to the Premier League or to PSG, whatever, I think they all emanated from his camp because... Unfortunately, in these situations with families and representation, the families are always going to look out for themselves. And that's how it goes, whether you are in hockey or whether you are in American football or baseball or basketball or whatever. I referenced this a couple of weeks back uh, when we were talking about the situation, but there was a hockey player, I believe it was Jack Johnson. Not the... uh, I don't know if he's an alt He's not really an alt-rock singer. I don't know if it's considered modern rock, but whatever. Surf rock, maybe, Jack Johnson? Anyway, different Jack Johnson. This was the hockey player whose family really just uh, did a number on this kid, Took totally took advantage of him, and uh, basically took a lot of his money. And similarly, if, if I could go to my Philadelphia roots, the same happened to Philadelphia Phillies, a uh, great first baseman, Ryan Howard, who his family also um, took great advantage of him. Um, unfortunately, cost him a lot of money. And you see it very often in sports. And unfortunately, like for these players, you want to trust your family to represent you. You want to involve them. You, I think more than anything, you want to have this feeling that you're giving back because they supported you as you were trying to make it. Now that you have, you want to have them be involved. You want to give them something back. And I think Coman was, was giving his, his family and his family friend the room to do that. He was giving them some leeway. But now I think that we're getting to like the point where it's almost do or die. I mean, if Bayern Munich does not reach an agreement with Coman by the summer, they, they have to sell him. They can't risk losing him. Um, you know, I think he, he gave his family their time and now he's putting his foot down. And I'm happy he did because I wasn't really sure that he was going to do that. Some players will just kind of tune it all out. They'll say, it's not my problem. They just want to focus on whatever is going on on the pitch or the field or the court or wherever. Um, But Coman, it seems, I would think, based on the latest news, is saying that he wants to take back control of the situation. He wants to stay at Bayern Munich and he wants to get a deal done. Which I think is a good thing for the team, honestly. Now listen, we could go through his Mr. Glass reputation and all of his injuries, and that's probably not going to change. But the good thing is, when you talk about having a player like Coman, um, you've also got three excellent wingers who don't appear to be going anywhere either. In, in Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, and I'll include Jamal Musiala as a winger, even if Julian Nagelsmann has been reluctant to use him in that capacity. Uh, I think... Having that type of depth, not to mention some of the youth players that Byron has on campus, I think it allows uh, it allows the club to be able to take a player like Coman and keep him on the roster, even if you know he's probably going to miss a third of the games every season. Uh, it's just the way it is, but that's the price you pay for talent. And I think this is a win-win for both sides. I think Bayern Munich wants to retain Coman. I think Coman wants to be here. I think they'll work out a a good number for the player and the club alike, and this deal will get done in the summer. That's my prediction. 
I'm just happy that, you know, Coman, again, showed his maturity, if I'm reading this situation correctly, took control of the situation and is now moving toward doing this for himself and doing what he wants to do rather than what anyone else wants him to do. So that is good news. <laughs> and this is kind of related. Uh, the next story is kind of related to Coman because one of the things we saw earlier this week was that if Coman was to leave, that Bayern Munich was going to turn its focus to two players. Um, one, Leeds United winger Rafinha, who we, we had seen this rumor for a couple of weeks now. To me, it never made much sense. Uh, at first, we had seen that Bayern was going to pay 50 million euros for him over this winter transfer window. Of course, that was complete and utter nonsense. There was no way, one, Bayern was going to spend that much on a transfer, as especially for a winger, during this winter window. And two, just I don't think they're going to really make any deals during this winter window. Uh, so with that, the Rafinha thing really never made sense. If you would have told me next summer, which is how the rumor evolved, I could buy that a little bit, and that's, you know, with the contingency that either Coman or Serge Gnabry left, uh, which I guess is still possible. Um, you know, we just talked about Coman's situation. Gnabry all signs point to him signing an extension, so I'd expect both of them to stay. So I don't see why Rafinha would be needed. And similarly, I don't think in the same vein that Bayern would continue to look at a player like Usman Dembele from FC Barcelona because they have talent already. And while Dembele is obviously a talented player, he's a skilled player. He brings a lot to the table. He's also got a checkered injury history. He's also wildly inconsistent. And I think that, you know, it's not really much of an upgrade for as much as overall talent-wise Dembele might be, maybe even above Sané, maybe above Coman, Gnabry. He might be above them all. Does he really provide that much of an upgrade that you're going to, you know, basically like uproot your pay scale? You're going to bring in another brittle winger into a mix where you already have a supreme amount of talent. It's just an unnecessary move. I don't anticipate Bayern Munich to go after either of those players unless either Coman or Gnabry uh, makes a U-turn and decides to leave Bayern Munich, which, again, it's a possibility, but I don't think it's a good one. So that was uh, one of the bigger rumors we saw this week. And it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of just funny to me to see that. I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about this on our BFW Slack channel where a lot of these clubs think that Bayern Munich is just because they're such a well-run club and that they have this quote-unquote monopoly over the Bundesliga that they are just like, you know, Scrooge McDuck jumping into the pool of money. Where, well, in reality, Bayern, while a very rich club, is not Scrooge McDuck, okay? There's, they are fiscally responsible. They are not uh, going to go out and make a big swing like that unless that player is going to be a fixture on the roster and a permanent part of it. And I can't see at this point that Bayern Munich will need to invest in the wing position anytime soon. You know, Julian Nagelsmann, I guess, could throw a wrench into everything I say by permanently moving Jamal Musiala away from the wing position, but I think that would be silly. Musiala's a Swiss Army knife for Bayern Munich. He's proven he can play the 6, 8, 10, and either wing position, you know, you want to call them 7 and 11. Hell, I think he could play striker too if you absolutely needed him to. So 
uh, you know, I keep that kid and I, I try and get him as many minutes as possible, even if that means uh, sitting the, 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 you know, more veteran wingers every once in a while. But regardless, uh, I don't anticipate Bayern Munich going out and spending any money on wingers. Um, you know, when we talk about the transfer rumors that have been most hot, you know, we automatically look at the back line as well because there was, you know, the Serginho Dest move, which now that appears just dead and completely off the table. It looks like Dest is going to stay put at FC Barcelona, at least for now. But we also saw the rumors regarding Matthias Ginter and Antonio Rudiger and Bayern's alleged interest. Of course, Rudiger has been linked with everyone from PSG to Real Madrid to re-signing with Chelsea while Ginter, it appears, is drawing a lot of interest from, depending on what reports you believe, FC Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Inter Milan. Um, I don't know that Bayern Munich is actively going to engage with either of those players. I still think and hope that they would pursue Nicolas Sula first, try and lock Sula in, and make him a fixture on the back line. I think that that's still the best plan. Um, you know, Should they get wind that Sula is going to go, I would almost be inclined for the club to look at Nico Schlotterbeck as well. Although I know uh, Schlotterbeck being a left footer, that kind of puts him in conflict with Luca Hernandez. But, you know, I think at some point Bayern Munich has to uh, see what they can do along that back line. And, and that may not even matter if Julian Nagelsmann eventually shifts to a permanent back three. So uh, I, I don't know what direction Bayern Munich is going in. I just know that they're, they've been most tied to players like Ginter, Rudiger, and Schlotterbeck. Schlotterbeck is, is an interesting case because I think he's obviously a young player. He you know started to get some international first-team experience under Hansi Flick. And he's a player that, if you believe the who scored ratings, is the best center back in Europe right now. Uh, Schlotterbeck has a lot of potential. I think he's one of these new age defenders. Um, he's big, he's quick. Um, he can do a lot of good things. He's maybe not quite as physically strong as a player like Nicholas Sula, but I think he's got the body type where that can develop over the course of time. Um, obviously if he comes to Sabiner Strasse, he'll get on the Goretzka plan and, and I'm sure he'll bulk up. But, um, you know, he's a player that I would probably be, probably be most interested in if Sula was to leave. Uh, but just transfer rumors in general have been so crazy. Uh, I just don't understand, uh, for the life of me, where some of these reports come from. They always entertain, entertain me personally, which is how they end up in the Daily Schmankerl. So, you know, to, to kind of cover the Schmankerl, as you know, that's kind of the, the post we have on our site that, you know, puts all of the craziest of the crazy stuff out there. We wrap it all into one and just make it the conversational piece for the day. And uh, occasionally the people that when they're new to the site, they don't always understand what that is. And they think that that might be the spot where you get the, uh, I would say, most accurate or most true rumors. But no, that's those are the ones we kind of look at and we're like, oh, these are on the periphery of being totally absurd. So that's where we put them. It's the theater of the bizarre in the Daily Schmankerl. So um, when you see that stuff in there, sometimes there's legitimate news that we put in there, but there are always those insane rumor pieces that usually are generated from the rags in Spain 
or in the UK. So, uh, you know, we, we compile them there and set the discussion topics for the day within that post. Um, but it's just been so odd. It's been really, really weird over the course of this winter and seeing how Bayern Munich has been tied to so many uh, players and so many different rumors. It's just really bizarre given the financial state that the team is in, uh, considering they're not going to be generating as much revenue once again because you know, of the ghost game. So uh, you know, we'll be following all of those rumors very closely. But I'd be remiss didn't mention our guy, the hashtag step over King, who left Bayern Munich this week. Uh, obviously, this was a, a player we've talked a lot about on the site. We've talked a lot about on social media. Totally crazy kid. Um, you know, last week and the weekend warm-up, we were talking a little bit about how this, you know, things were expected to go one way or the other for Cuisant. He was probably going to leave. It just was a matter of whether it was going to be Venezia or whether it was going to be Moscow. Obviously, uh <laughs> Cuisance had some say in where he was going because he ended up in Italy rather than the harsh winters in Russia. But, you know, Cuisance, I hit on it really heavy last week, but he was just, the the whole move to get him, I never understood. Uh, I know that Brazo saw the raw talent, he saw the skill, and he probably thought, this is a great deal. Um, but he had zero plan for how Cuisance would fit in the roster. Cuisance, of course, never helped himself because he's petulant, uh, immature, very skilled player. Uh, I liked watching him play personally, but um, for me, like, you know, there were several instances. The, the throwing of the penny toward Julian Nagelsmann, whether it was intentional or not, that's just stupid. Um, throwing his hands up at Robert Lewandowski when when Lewandowski didn't feed him the ball, I mean, again, like who are you? Who are you to show up, Robert Lewandowski? And I like the kid. I hope he I hope he does well. I really do hope he succeeds. But um, man, he really needed to move on more than anything because uh, a change of scenery is about the only thing that is going to save that kid's career. So hopefully he gets himself straightened out. It's uh, it's good to see him move on. It's good to see Bayern Munich be able to give him the opportunity to find a different path in his career, and, and I'm glad he did that. So, um, you know, for this week, I think that's about going to do it. Uh, I hope to get uh, back with either Tom or Jake or I Need No Name or Samarin or whoever. Uh, I'd really like to get them on this podcast in particular, but as I mentioned on the preview show, we've had a lot of illnesses going on at BFW, and thankfully we're not in an office together, or I'd probably be down for the count too. So, uh, you know, I've had to pull a little bit of a double duty in uh, pulling the podcast together, and the last couple of weeks we did not do a flagship show, which is not something that we will make a habit of, but... Uh, between the time zone differences and some of the vacations that were going on and some of the aforementioned illnesses, we couldn't get people to sync up. So one thing is for sure, the weekend warm-up, we don't take any days off. So, so we're always here every week, and although at some point it might not be me doing it, we will ensure that this one goes off without a hitch. So uh, when you get a chance, check out our post-game show, which we will have on Friday after the Gladbach match, and then I'm sure we'll be picking the flagship back up for next week. And I uh, don't know exactly who will be on that yet, but whoever it is, I'm sure they're going to be thrilling you with their scorching hot takes 
and their classic banter. So thanks again for listening. Have a great time watching the game. Have a great time this weekend. I know I'm going to probably try and get after it a little bit, maybe Saturday night. I think I'm due for it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go beer or liquor yet, but chances are I'll be passed out on my couch by like 10.30 or 11 o'clock Saturday night or so. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll give you a status report on that, or maybe I'll even live tweet my drinking exploits from the weekend. One thing I do know is I'll probably be in my house because at this point I've made it through without catching COVID. I'm going to try and keep this streak going because at some point I think, like, I don't know. Now it's I'm just making it a point, so I'm going to keep trying to avoid it. So hopefully that happens and I can stick around and keep you guys uh, engaged with our posts on the site and on this podcast. So again, thank you for every listen. I appreciate it. You can get me at the barrel blog. You can get our site at Bavarian FB works. You can get Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner and you can get, I need no name at BFW. And thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.